Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Thank you, Jesus. So good. You guys having fun? It's got to be the happiest place on planet Earth when the saints get to come together and we get to celebrate the almost too good to be true news. Amen. But it is true. Come on. You were once in darkness, but now you're in light. Are you happy? Come on. He chose you. Ephesians says, for you were saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself, but it is the free gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, but you are his worksmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared beforehand. Say beforehand that you should walk in them. Listen, you are here by divine appointment. I don't know how you got here today, if this is your first time, if this is your, if you were invited as a guest, but I want you to know that today we're gathered on purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus uh, promised us in John 14. He said, if you would obey my commandments, then I will manifest myself to you. And I will make my home in you, me and the Father. How many people think that's a good promise? Jesus cannot lie. And we are obeying Jesus by assembling together in his name. And another place he said, wherever there are two or more gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. So I just want you to take a minute and realize that God is with you right now. Just go ahead and put your hands out in front of you like this, almost like you're gonna receive a gift. It's a, it's a position of humility. It's a position of hunger. It's a position of expectation. I'm gonna pray this morning that what I say wouldn't just be words, but that you would have an encounter, an experience with the person of God through his Holy Spirit and that you would taste and see that he is good and that you would be marked by his presence, that you would be marked by his love, that you would be baptized with the spirit of adoption and that your spirit on the inside would cry out, Abba, Father, I'm a child of God and that you would leave here understanding your mission, the great commission, and that you would go in the power of knowing that God is with you. Come on, Jesus, I pray right now, awaken our spiritual senses, every sense, God, our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our our sense of touch. God, I pray right now, turn it on, that every person in here would begin to taste and see experientially, God, that it would go just beyond mental uh, gymnastics, it would go beyond just our our, uh, uh, talking, but God, that their faith would not be in the wisdom of man and the ability of man to preach, but it would be in the power of God. Lord, I pray right now that every person in here would begin to feel your tangible presence. God, begin to manifest your presence in their hands, upon their hearts, upon their bodies. Father, even right now, come Holy Spirit. You are the promised Holy Spirit, the gift of God, sent to lead us and guide us into all truth. In your presence is fullness of joy. For those who need joy and strength, God, bring your refreshing, God, the refreshing joy that comes only from your presence, not the joy of this world, but the joy of heaven. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, in your presence is liberty and freedom from every bit of bondage, God. Forever the sun sets free is free indeed, and the Spirit of God brings freedom. The law brings death, 
but the Spirit brings life. Release life right now into the atmosphere, God. Life in Jesus' name. Some of you are in here and you're struggling with secret sin and the accuser of the brethren has you in bondage because of the sin, but the Lord is gonna set you free of this sin today if you'll come with humility. For the God that we know resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you'll only humble yourself and say, I don't know it all, I don't have it all, but I want more of God. I just want you, Jesus. I only want you. I want all of you this morning. If your heart says that, God's not a lip reader, he's a heart reader. It's his good pleasure to pour out his fire upon you. But we have to come to this place of humility. We have to come to this place of hunger. See, hunger speaks of humility. Come on. I remember one time I I got radically saved. I don't have time to go into my whole testimony today, but I grew up in Virginia where you could throw a rock and hit three churches by accident. Churches everywhere. You know, I knew a lot about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. How many people know there's a big difference between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus? You know, I think a lot of people think that they're saved because they said a prayer or because they came to church one time or maybe their whole life, but they don't actually know the Lord. And Jesus said, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, with their lips. They'll do many miracles in his name, cast out devils in his name. And, and they'll say, and, and Jesus, I believe with a broken heart, will say back to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, for I never knew you. I never knew you. See, salvation isn't just that we say a prayer and we get a, a get out of free jail, you know, get out of jail free ticket, and all of a sudden we get to go to heaven. That's not salvation, you know. Salvation is actually knowing the Lord. The Bible says that this is eternal life, that you would know the Father and the Son whom he sent, that you would know him. But how do you know anyone that you don't communicate with? Come on, the basis of of relationships, see you are a divine design created in the image of God. The Bible says in Psalm 139, he knit you and formed you in your mother's womb and that you're fearfully and wonderfully made and, and that his thoughts for you are more than the sand on the seashore and that they're good and not of evil, Jeremiah 29. So in other words, God is crazy about you. He can't quit thinking about you. He loves you. Song of Songs says just one glance of your eye and he has to look away. He's overcome. Like this is how much God loves you. And, and, and yet you're created for relationship with God. That means your whole body is an ear. He doesn't just speak English, but he's constantly communicating to you. He's communicating through nature. He's communicating through dreams. He's communicating through that inner knowing, but he's constantly speaking and you were created to hear God's voice. You were created for relationship. Every human being was created for relationship. And Jesus said in John 10, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me and they know me. See, you can't know God unless you're listening to God. Come on. So we're talking, but we're listening. This morning, the Holy Spirit is gonna to speak to many people's hearts. And we're, some of us and most of us are just like little babies. We're just learning how to hear God's voice. We don't get it right all the time, but he's gonna be knocking on the door of many of your hearts, maybe sometime for the, some of you for the first time, and saying, I want to come into your heart. I want to have a relationship with you. And all you simply have to do is in humility receive his free gift of salvation and open the door of your heart, get out of the driver's seat of your own life and put him in the driver's seat. 
That's repentance. Come on. So I didn't know that. I grew up in Virginia. I didn't know any of that. I just said a prayer when I was 11 years old. And, uh, and I thought I was saved because that was my example. I grew up in, in an environment where a lot of people went to church, but not one person ever preached the gospel to me. I never remember one Christian being on fire for Jesus, like burning with all their heart. Like, like the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Come on. That tells me that evangelism isn't something that you have to do. It's something that you can't help yourself but to do if you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Say, love the Lord your God with all. Say all. Your heart. See, if we do that, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth thinks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why evangelism isn't necessarily something that you do, it's who you are. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do they light a lamp and place it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand that it would give light to all who are in the house. See, this is who you are as a child of God. You're one with Christ and he's one with you. Come on. It's like this. Put your hands in front of you again. Look at your hands. If you know Jesus, Jesus, God is in your hands. When you lay your hands on the sick, He lays his hands on the sick. Just look at your hands and say, these hands are powerful because the Holy Spirit is in them. Come on, if we believe that, we would lay our hands on more sick people and trust that they're gonna get healed. Come on, because these signs follow those who what? Believe. So I'm learning I, I, I got saved at 11, but I didn't know what I didn't know. I was only walking in the light that I had. I ended up getting 18 felonies between 11 and 18 years old, uh, in and out of juvenile detention, uh, that whole kind of lifestyle. I didn't know what I didn't know. I was violent. I was angry. I punched this dude in the face when I was 16 years old. I was on house arrest, um, and I had to go back to jail as a result of that. He had a girlfriend in the car that called the cops on me. I went back to jail, got out of jail when I was 18 years old, got a job as a painter, and these radically saved black dudes would pick me up in the morning, blasting Kirk Franklin and wild gospel music in the morning. (laughs) Talking about, Jesus said this, and Jesus said that, and Jesus healed sister such and such, and they just couldn't help themselves, you know, blasting music in the morning at 6 a.m. I got a hangover. I'm like, man, these guys, man. But something about that fire, like they love God with all their heart, is contagious, and, they be, and my mom gave me a, 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 a Bible, a green application women's study Bible. <laughs> and I opened that thing up right to the middle to the book of Job. And I read the book of Job, my first book. I love the book of Job, man. Anybody else love the book of Job? I love the book of Job. Loved it. Anyway, I, I started awakening to the love of God across the bridge, uh, the Coleman Bridge that connects Gloucester and Yorktown, Virginia. It's where, for those historians, you know that we won our independence on that bridge, and that's where I got freedom. Come on. And I was crossing that bridge, and the sun was rising and setting. When I would go to work, it was rising in the morning, and when I was uh, going home, it would be setting. And the sunrise was glistening off the river, and I remember looking at that and thinking, the fish in this river were created for a purpose. And the only way that they could live a fulfilled life is if they're living in their purpose. They're not gonna live fulfilled on the bank, number one, because they're not gonna walk. 
because they don't have legs. They were created for the river. Number two, they're not gonna live because they were created to breathe in the river. And I remember thinking, there's so much pain in my life and I'm not guaranteed a fulfilled life unless I fully surrender my life to the purpose that God created me for. And I remember just saying out loud, it was like an aha moment. See, Psalm 19 says, day unto day utter speech and night unto night knowledge. The sun is like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber, running its race from one end of heaven to the other end of heaven. Nothing is hidden from its heat. It goes on to, to testify about how creation is speaking of the reality of God. And that was my testimony. It was both seeing these people in love with Jesus and seeing creation and all of it coming together, people praying for me. See, because when I got saved, I ended up giving my life to Jesus that day. I said, Jesus, I just wanna live a fulfilled life. I fully surrender my life for, for, to you. You know I'm weak, I can't do it on my own, but I believe that you can see my heart and I mean it. I wanna live a fulfilled life. I wanna live out the purpose that you created for me right now. Look at my heart and help me. Save me. I fully surrender my life. And when I said that, it was like somebody poured 10,000 gallons of liquid love over me. And I began to weep and cry and, and I was baptized in the love of God. I was a new person. I, I got born again on that time. But that started a journey for me. I ended up going uh, to a Baptist church because when the Baptists meet, we eat. And God's led me to go there. Every different denomination has a different glory. If you have eyes to see it, you'll receive their glory. Every different stream thinks that they're the only stream and that every other stream's a foul tributary. But I'm telling you, we gotta have eyes to see so that we can receive the glory of all the different moves of God. See, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. And I believe the same thing goes with some of these movements. We gotta stop stumbling over who people are not and celebrate who they are. Come on. And so God led me to the Baptist church because we, we, we ate together. There would be a potluck before this meeting and then after this meeting, if you were in a Baptist church, you know? And, um, and I needed that because God's idea of government is family. When people are born again, they're meant to be plugged into a family for the Lord puts the lonely in families. And we're not gonna see uh, this city discipled unless you're hospitable. Come on, breaking bread with one another. Like Acts chapter two, they gathered daily in the temple and from house to house, breaking bread with one another. And the Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. 95% of evangelism is discipleship. And there's no shortcut to discipleship. It happens at your dinner table. Come on. Anyway, I went to this Baptist church. And one of the reasons is because when I went in there, I did my first Bible study. The Baptists loved the word. And I needed that as a foundation as well. And I began to read the word and we were reading John chapter one. And if you've ever just got born again and your eyes have been opened to the reality of the spirit realm and how much God loves you and you began to read the word, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the word of God. And I'm like, how do you only read one chapter? Can somebody please stay with me and read more with me? And two people stayed with me. One was named Catherine Oder and one was named Andrew. And, um, and we shut the church down. About 12 o'clock, the janitor comes to us and like, can you guys please go to the Waffle House and continue? I wanna go home and be with my family. And so we went to the Waffle House and we start reading the Bible. And suddenly Catherine looks up and she said, hey, Richie, were you at a soccer game a few years and you punched this dude in the face? And I remember thinking, oh man, this girl has blonde hair, that girl had blonde hair. And I'm like, oh no. And I got embarrassed and she said, oh, don't worry about it, Richie. That day I started praying for your soul. 
So don't ever discount the power of your prayers as it pertains to people getting saved, healed, set free. And so I ended up going to YWAM, Youth with a Mission, or Young Women After Men. That's where I met my wife. And um, they teach you how to hear God's voice. They give you a book called, Is That Really You, God? And they teach you how to hear God's voice. And, and I remember going there and I began to listen to the voice of, of God and practice listening to the voice of God. And uh, I remember I would wake up in the morning and I would be thinking, how do I know if I'm actually hearing God? Wake up at four in the morning and just pursue him in the secret place, just asking God, I wanna hear your voice. And uh, I, remember I, I remember hearing the Lord say, the early bird gets the worm. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, like I, I, why am I having this stupid phrase go through my head? Like, God, I just wanna hear your voice. And I'm thinking maybe it would be like, Richie, you know, or like the audible voice of God. I don't know what I was thinking, but I'm trying to hear the voice of God, you know? And again, I'd like fall asleep. Oh God, I'm so sorry. I'm trying to hear your voice, you know? Please let me hear your voice. And again, the early bird gets the worm. And again, the early bird gets the worm. And uh, eventually I realized it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings to seek it out. So oftentimes God will speak in a mystery because he wants the humble to be the powerful and not the prideful. And so he'll conceal truth and mystery because he knows it's the hungry that will pursue the secret place to get the mystery. Come on, he's drawing us into intimacy. Come on. The secret place is the practice place for the marketplace. So we spend time with him learning how to hear his voice and the power is in his voice. Come on. The Holy Spirit, when he comes, will lead us and guide us into all truth. Come on. Teaching us all things. And so I'm listening and I, again, I remember the early bird gets the worm and he's like, oh, he's speaking to me in a riddle. And immediately I leaned into the Lord and I, and I remembered the earliest bird in the morning is the hungriest bird in the morning. And hunger is evidence of humility. See, if I'm hungry, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Africa or somewhere that people are actually starving, like they're starving to death. When you bring them food, they don't care what it is because they're starving. Their hunger has provoked in them a humility to eat whatever is in place in front of them. It's so sad. Sometimes I watch people and they're drinking muddy, dirty like water. Why? Because they're thirsty and their thirst has humbled them to drink whatever it is so that they can live. See, there is, a, there, there is something about realizing I don't have any answers unless God shows up. Like I need God. There's this hunger that pulls on God that God is attracted to, this humility, this hunger. And I feel like God wants to stir in us this morning a greater hunger for him, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that he would touch us for the promise of God to touch you. And a moment that I, is the, as soon as I realized that, a little red robin flew in and landed right in front of me, two feet in front of me. And he said, Lord, and the Lord said to me, watch the robin. And it was bouncing this way and bouncing that way. And, and, and he turned its head to the side every now and then and dart down and get a worm. And suddenly I remembered Miss Martin in elementary school taught me about robins. And, and robins don't actually uh, see the worm under the ground. They can hear it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, just like the robin has to listen to get its food, so do you. See, man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every 
word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, a lot of the body of Christ is, is weak and malnourished because they're not listening for the word of God. And many of the body of Christ are only living because they're eating regurgitated food from their pastor. But God wants to speak to you directly. See, this is eternal life, that you would know the Father and the Son whom he sent, that you would live with Jesus. This is the invitation of, of God through his son, that you would have a personal relationship ongoing with him through his Holy Spirit. And today we're talking about, um, we're celebrating Pentecost, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And um, you know, I know all about that because I remember growing up and my parents divorced when I was two years old. And, and I, my dad was my hero, but I only got to see him on the weekends. And, and, I, and I remember you know, playing football with him. He told me when I was little, he, he struggled with alcohol and different things in his life and didn't really know what he didn't know, but he believed in Jesus. And going through a hard time, I remember we couldn't pay our bills. It's freezing in the house. He put our, me and my brother's shoulders together in the morning after you know, a hard night. And he said, look me in the eyes, boys. If you have faith in Jesus, you could do anything in this world. So he had a faith and I loved being with him. I remember working on the pickup truck with him and I got to put on one of the fan belts for the cool down the engine. And I just remember just being with my dad and loving him, but I only got to see him every other weekend. And my mom was a codependent, meaning she was attracted to guys that she could fix, which is not a good idea, right? And so we had a rotating door of different dads in and out of my life and they only really wanted to be around me during football season. I was a star football player. And um, they were proud of me during that time. And I remember just looking up into the stands and wishing that my dad would be in those stands. But he wasn't because he was a truck driver on the road. And I remember right after I got saved, um, I'm awakened to the love of God. And, and I would go into this, um, my mom had a condo that she hadn't moved in to yet. And so it was completely empty. And I remember going in there and I just began to worship Jesus. I didn't have, the I, I, only thing I knew how to do at that time, I wasn't a Christian, is to turn on K-Love radio and listen to K-Love. Like, and I would go into like these little bookstores and close my eyes and pick stuff off the bookshelf. And, you know, but, but I remember going in there, no radio, no nothing, and I would just, I remember just singing a new song to the Lord. And my friend, Sean Downey, had been talking to me about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We were in a Baptist church. I don't think he wanted to get kicked out, so he would never like really pray for me or anything or lay hands or anything, but he'd say, read Acts chapter two. Read, read Acts chapter 10. Read about Jesus' baptism in, um, in Matthew three. And I remember just beginning to hunger for this experience, which was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I was singing just randomly one night, just singing to the Lord. I want to, I want to remind you of something, and I'm conscious of the time, so I'm trying to get through a lot <laughs> uh, connecting with you guys, but just stick, stick with me for a minute. In John 4, Jesus has an encounter with uh, the woman at the well. Right, and, and, and he's sitting there and it says that he's weary from his journey and the, and the um, woman comes to him and he says, give me a drink. She, she said, who are you, a Jew, talking to me, a, Gent, uh, a Samaritan? You don't have any dealings with us. And Jesus said, if you would have known who was asking you, you would have asked for me to give you a drink. And I would have given you the, the, 
the drink that you would never thirst again. Come on, I'm kind of paraphrasing it for the sake of time. And, um, and um, she goes on, she switches the topic and she says, um, she says to him, hey, um, I perceive that you're a prophet at some point. He tells her, you have many husbands, go get your husband. Give me this water, she says, he, he, so that I might not never thirst. He says, go get your husband. She says, I, I, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right, you have five. And she's like, I perceive that you're a prophet, you think, you know, kind of thing. And she switches the, the topic about where to worship, right? He says, you Jews say worship in Jerusalem. Our fathers say worship here. Where should we worship? And he said, the father is searching for those who will worship in spirit and in what? Truth. Truth. Goes on and she switches it again. She says, "Um, our father said that the Messiah is coming and when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus reveals himself to her. I am he. And she goes back into a city and leads an entire city to Jesus with her testimony. Come meet a man who knows all about me and loves me anyway. And the entire city, she's the first evangelist, by the way, a woman to lead an entire city to Jesus. Selah for a minute on that one. But there's this, there's this revelation that comes through worship that has to do also with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, for he was speaking of the water, come on, that you would never thirst, this, this spring that would come up in you that you would never thirst. It's this power encounter with the Spirit of God. And I remember worshiping the Lord in that condo and I'm just worshiping the Lord and suddenly it was like everything shifted in the room and I was baptized with this, this heavy presence came over me, the presence of God, and it was so heavy, I couldn't stand up anymore. And so I laid down on the floor and I began to sing and, and tears began to run down my face. And the next thing you know, it was like I tried to get up, but I couldn't get up. It was like 10,000 pounds of weight was on me. And I just sang and sang and I thought it might be for 20 minutes, but actually I looked up and it was two hours later that I was singing and eventually the words ran out and I didn't have words to sing. And so I just began to sing with just other syllables that I didn't know. And what I didn't know at the time is I was actually singing in other languages. The power of God was coming on me. And when I was finally able to pull myself into my chair, I hear a voice. It's almost audible, but it was internal. And it said, son, I'm proud of you. Keep going. I can't tell you what that meant to me to hear the father himself say, son, I'm proud of you. Keep going. If you turn in your Bibles to um, Matthew 3, I'm gonna read this one story. I'm gonna tell another story. And then I'm gonna have an invitation. And I believe that God is looking at your heart this morning. Jesus, help me. Matthew 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then 
he allowed him, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I didn't even realize it at the time, but when the power of God came on me, when the spirit of God came upon me, the voice of the Lord came to me and said, son, I'm proud of you. It's one thing for somebody else to tell you that you're a child of God. It's another thing for the spirit of God to tell you that you're a child of God. John chapter one says, as many as received him, he's given the right to become children of God. If I can get the band to come up and help me here in a minute, you can start making your way up. As many as received him, Jesus is given the right to become children of God. Romans chapter eight says, you've not been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've been given the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. As I was praying about this morning in Pentecost, I was struck with this truth that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he convinces your heart that you belong, that you're in the family of God. So many people feel a spirit of rejection. And I want you to understand that Jesus can identify with you. The Bible says that he became a man, that he took on human flesh and blood, that he made himself a little lower than the angels and that he was tempted in every way as we are tempted yet without sin. The Bible says in Isaiah that he was rejected and despised by men. The Bible says in other places that Jesus was betrayed. Have you felt the sting of rejection? Have you felt the sting of betrayal? Jesus can identify with you. He's not a God who can identify with human suffering and pain. And the invitation from the Lord is he was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes you have been healed. Every one of us has gone astray, every single one of us, and yet the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. The invitation is that you would come into the family of God. For the Lord puts the lonely in families. I believe that God wants to pour out his fire this morning on all of us. And what do I mean by that? I mean his holiness. See, the context for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and with fire is repentance. John the Baptist came baptizing with water unto repentance. And he said, and they asked him, are you the Christ? He said, I'm not him. I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandal. But when he comes, he will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. The context is repentance. The way into the family of God is repentance changing the way that you think, getting out of the driver's seat of your own life, saying, I don't wanna be the Lord of my own life anymore. I don't wanna pursue what this world has to offer anymore. I realize I was created by God and something in me is longing for fulfillment. And when your heart says that, there's something in you that you abandon everything else and you, and you bring yourself to the foot of the cross and you realize that God gave it all for you first. 
See, the Bible tells us that scarcely for a righteous man would one die, but Jesus demonstrates God's love for us and that while we were yet still sinners, he gave his life for us. He loved you first. And because he gave it all for you, you come to this place of saying, I'm going to give it all. I'm leaving everything behind and I'm going to fully submit my life to Jesus. See, the fire only falls on the acceptable sacrifice. All throughout scripture, many people sacrificed, but the fire didn't fall on their sacrifice. The fire only falls on acceptable sacrifice. But the only acceptable sacrifice is your whole life laid down in love. Jesus said, if anyone tries to save their life, they'll lose their life. But if they lose their life for my sake, then they'll find their life. If anyone wants to follow me, he must first take up his cross to follow me. This is the invitation of the Lord is that you give up your whole life and it's a good exchange rate. He gives you all of his. You don't get what you deserve for we've all sinned and we're deserving of death. The wages of our sin is death. Come on. See, Jesus never sinned. He didn't deserve death, but he paid your debt on the cross and he died for you. And as you, the Bible said he became unrighteousness so that we could become righteous. Listen, there is no way to be good enough before God almighty. Who's a holy God, except that you would believe on his sacrifice, his son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way I'm the truth and I'm the life. And there is no other way to the father except through me. See, he's dying on the cross. I want you to just imagine the humility of this amazing God that we serve. He could get 10,000 angels, legions of angels to come to his defense and wipe everybody out. But the Bible says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He didn't wipe them out. As a matter of fact, he was silent because he knew he was going to the cross for you. This is what love looks like. It looks like laying down your life. This is the whole gospel. The whole gospel isn't just that you say a prayer. The whole gospel is that you lay down your whole life. And when you do, he consumes you with his fire. And now your life is hidden in Christ. For we've all sinned and we've all died. See, if, if you sin, then you must die. And Jesus died for you. So we've all died and now we're a new creation. We get born again, a new creation. And the life that we live, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who bled and died in our place. So it's no longer about your personality type, whether you do evangelism or not. It's no longer about your gifting, whether you're an evangelist or not. No, because it's not about you. It's about the Holy Spirit living in you. Jesus said, Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away because if I go away, I'll send to you the helper. It's actually to your advantage. We just got to start taking advantage of our advantage, which is the person of the Holy Spirit. We got to start developing intimacy with the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit of holiness. He's a spirit because God is spirit. First John 4, 4 says that God is love. Colossians 1 says that God is a spirit and he's invisible, but his invisible attributes are clearly seen in the person of Jesus Christ. So God is a spirit, but he's a spirit of love. And in another place in Hebrews 12, it says, our God is an all consuming fire. He's a jealous God. And that is quoting from Deuteronomy where they were worshiping idols. It was, a, it was in Deuteronomy 4, it says, beware lest you worship any idols for our God is an all consuming fire. He's a jealous God. So love is jealous, but he's not jealous because he's insecure. He's jealous because he loves you. And love always has the highest and best for what it's pointed at. 
And anything less than God is not the highest and best. See, if you exalt anything above your relationship with God, that's an idol and it brings about death because sin brings death. And so God doesn't want you to die because he's life itself. He's not a cosmic buzzkill trying to steal our joy away. He's a heavenly father that loves us. Come on, you guys gotta get this for a minute. Jesus is inviting us to full surrender this morning so that he can pour out his fire. Jesus is inviting us to lay down our idols at the foot of the cross this morning in humility. Many of you, by the power of the spirit of holiness, will begin to confess your sins to one another today getting it out of the dark and into the light. See, those who love their sin keep their sin in the darkness, but those who love the light will bring everything into the light so that they can be healed, so that they can be set free. And in that humility, we pray for one another and we're free, we're free. I believe God wants to bring freedom, freedom from bitterness, freedom from pornography, freedom from sexual addictions, freedom from, from, from so many different things, alcoholism, addiction to, to pain medications. This morning, there's gonna be deliverance because the finger of God is here. This is what it looks like when the Spirit of God is poured out. It doesn't just look like some tingling and some falling down and some goosebumps. No, it looks like the power of God comes and empowers you to be holy as He's holy. So that compromise isn't stealing your confidence anymore because compromise is stealing the confidence of the church and therefore we're not preaching the gospel and people aren't getting saved and our churches aren't revived because revival looks like a church that's doing what Jesus said to do that's being obedient to Jesus. Because he said in John 14, if you love me, then you'll obey my commandments. You can't say you love God unless you obey God. And the great commission is not the great suggestion. Go into all the world and preach the gospel is a commandment. Come on. And it's out of the greatest commandment that we would love God with all of our hearts. See, and our neighbor as ourselves. This is the, all of the law and the prophets can be fulfilled in this one thing. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. And 2 Corinthians says, come on, you're gonna get this in a minute. This is what happens when the fire of God comes in Acts chapter two. 2 Corinthians three says this, that the law is no longer written on tablets of stone, but on human hearts, that you're a living epistle. You see, the tongue is the most unruly of all of your members. If you can tame the tongue, you can tame the whole body. Come on. I'm just telling you, what do you preach the gospel with? Come on, say your tongue. What do you preach with? It's proclaim with words. Come on, you preach it with your tongue. But where does your tongue root it in? Your heart out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I believe that what happens on the day of Pentecost is that God by his Holy Spirit begins to write the letter of his law upon your heart. That means that suddenly you believe that Jesus is the son of God and he died for you and he resurrected from the dead. And because he died for you, all of your sins have been forgiven and you've been made right with God and the righteous are as bold as a lion. And you begin to be bold and you begin to preach the gospel like Peter did on Acts chapter two and 3000 people are saved. You see, when the law was given, 3000 people died on the day the law was given, why? Because Moses comes down from the mountain and he sees them worshiping idols and the fire of God consumes 3,000 people and they die on the day that the law is given, why? Because the law brings death, 
come on. But on the day that the spirit is false, come on. Listen, in the context of that, it says our God is an all-consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Why? He wants you. He wants all your heart. He doesn't want you worshiping dead idols. He doesn't want you worshiping your cell phone. He doesn't want you worshiping what your friends think. He doesn't want you worshiping other things. He wants you worshiping Him because we become what we worship. And when we realize who He is, we begin to respond. And what we were designed to do, you were designed to respond to the presence of God, to the revelation of God, in worship, in spirit, and in truth. And He reveals Himself as Messiah and you lead cities to Jesus. We gotta get this thing, man. We gotta get this thing, man. I'm telling you, God is inviting us to a place of repentance this morning. Some of us, our heart is cold to God, if you were to be really honest. It's not an ongoing lifestyle of fire anymore. You don't love God with all your heart anymore. All your testimonies are old. When's the last time you preached the gospel to somebody outside of the church? When's the last time you testified about how much you love Jesus? Not because you have to, but because you can't help yourself. He's all you think about. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth thinks, I just can't quit thinking about Jesus or I can't quit talking about him. Come on, is your heart burning this morning? The invitation is to come and, and, and repent. Come and repent. Come in to the altar and say, yes, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying I'm going all in today. I want your fire today. One story. Come on, I thank you for your humility. One story, one story. Had a man named Richard Miranda that I was discipling. He was from a rough background, in and out of jail. In and out, his parents were in and out of jail. His mom was a uh, heroin addict. His brothers were, were in gangs. He's 11 years old, he has a PlayStation. It's his only escape. His grandparents bought him a PlayStation. It's his only escape from the pain of his life. He comes home from the Christmas break from school and, and his PlayStation's gone. He looks everywhere in the house for the PlayStation, he can't find it. He goes to his mom's back room and he sees his mom overdosing on the, on, the, on the bed. She had taken his PlayStation and she had pawned it so she could get her fix on heroin. He's 11 years old, he doesn't know what to do. He starts crying, he calls the paramedics, 911. He calls his brothers. His brothers beat him to the scene. They beat the paramedics to the scene. And they see him in the fetal position in the corner and he's weeping in the corner. And they can't get up and they can't get him to quit crying, but they don't want him to get taken by social services. So they say, get up, man up, stop that crying. And they begin to beat him. Stop that crying, be a man, this is life. He decides that day, I'll never cry again. Fast forward, 16 years old. I'm discipling him. The Holy Spirit starts moving in the atmosphere. Some people are weeping. Some people are laughing. Some people are falling down. And he's over here doing this. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Is that the Holy Spirit? He's like, no, nah, this is how I stop my tears. And he tells me the story I just told you. I said, Richard, come here. And I told him, look at yourself in the mirror right now. And I read him the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Paul with many tears wept and I said and I began to tell him what I'm going to tell you right now maybe you're in here and you don't believe this and you don't know this but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you with more than just words that I'm speaking he wants to convince your heart of what I'm about to say to you this is what I said to Richard and this is what I say to you Jesus loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you 
because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you just because he loves you 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 just because he loves you 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 he loves you just because he loves you just because he loves you he loves you because he loves you because he loves you just because he loves you because he loves you he's always loved you. He's always gonna love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. And Richard went from the guy who never cried to the God who always cried. He was my favorite student. He would leave meetings and go lead 10, 15 people to Jesus. He was leading the rest of the students into greater things than God because leaders are going to lead either in the darkness or the light till two weeks from the end of the school. He began to rebel. He began to do anything he could to get kicked out of the school to the point where he was leading everybody down. And I said to myself, I'm gonna have to kick him out. So I go to another leader and I say, I'm gonna kick Richard out with a broken heart. I'm crying, I'm gonna kick him out. And I'm so happy that she understood the father's heart. She said, no, one more chance, one more chance. See, we give up on people too easy. Love never fails. Love never fails. They say, how many times do we forgive? Jesus says seven times 70. You might think you've already done this too many times. I'm telling you, God is calling prodigals home today. Maybe you've prayed this many times. Maybe you've asked for the baptism many times and it hasn't happened. I'm telling you, God has mercy, fresh mercy today. If you will only listen to his voice, he says, come home. The father's waiting for the prodigals to come home. He's got a ring and a robe. You don't have to perform. He's gonna throw a party for you the moment that you decide, yes, Jesus, my heart. I'm telling you, he understands your weakness. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. The only thing that would disqualify you is if you think you don't need it. So I go to Richard and I said, man, I don't understand. Why are you doing these things, man? I love you. And Richard explodes at me. I don't even know what love is. You say you love me. You say God loves me. You say love, love, love. I don't even know what love is. And I'm so glad for my advantage, the Holy Spirit, because I didn't even know what I was going to say, but I explode into his face. And I say, Richard, there's a gun right here. I said, one of your gangbanging friends got a gun right here. And he says, either you're gonna take the bullet or I'm taking the bullet. Richard, look at me in the eye. Stop looking down. Look at me in the eyes, Richard. Who's taking the bullet? You get to choose. You die or I die. Who's, take, who's taking it? Who's dying, Richard? And his lips begin to quiver and he started crying. And he said, I take that bullet for you. I said, don't you dare tell me you don't know what love is. You just love me. You see, because love looks like something. It looks like Jesus Christ, the Son of God, all powerful, dying on the cross as they're mocking him, the rolling dice at the foot of the cross, gambling over his clothes. He's got all the power to destroy them. They're saying, really, if you're the Son of God, pull yourself off the, that cross. Call on Elijah if you're really the Son of God. They're mocking him in their unbelief. And yet he's silent because he knows he was gonna to go to the cross to pay for their sins. And he says from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
This is what love looks like. It looks like God Himself laying down His life. And the invitation is for all of us to follow Jesus, to be, to follow the way and to lay down your life. And if you'll lay down your life, I believe the power of God will touch you today. If you wanna lay down your life today, I want you to stand to your feet quickly. Quickly, it's not about what anybody else thinks, it's about you and the Lord. The Lord's not a lip reader, He's a heart reader. I want you just to focus on the Lord this morning. You wanna surrender again, you wanna surrender afresh, you want a fresh baptism. Many of you, if you were to be early, be honest. You used to preach the gospel more in the past, but you're not preaching the gospel on the streets anymore. Your heart's not burning like it used to. And you wanna be refreshed. You want a fresh baptism. You want a fresh fire of God to come upon you. See, the baptism of yesterday isn't, a, you know, it, it isn't enough for today. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Many of you are gonna to begin to feel tingling in your hands. You might feel fire on you. You might feel tears. You might feel an overwhelming uh, presence of peace. That's the Holy Spirit. I bless what the Holy Spirit is doing on many of you. I bless the tears. I bless, I bless you right now. God's looking at your heart right now. Come Holy Spirit, more, more. Do what I cannot do. Baptize people's hearts right now. Write the letter of your law upon our hearts right now. Answer the, the leading of the Lord. Many of you need to come down to the altar. Some of you just stay in your seat if you feel it, but some of you, the Lord's saying, come down to the altar. The Holy Spirit. Just do business with the Lord right now. Just begin to repent. It's not a condemnation thing. It's not a shame thing. It's an invitation for freedom. God's looking at your heart. He's already forgiven you. He's not surprised by you. He's never been surprised by you. He knew everything that you would ever do and He loved you anyway. He loved you while you're yet still a sinner. He's not surprised by you. He's a good Father. He's inviting you to freedom. Come on, just begin to repent of any idol in your life, anything that the Holy Spirit is touching. The spirit of holiness is calling us to be holy as He's holy, to lay down our idols, to lay down our pride, to lay down our pride, to lay down the fear of man, to lay down fearing what other people think. Even some of you, you know that you're called to do something right now, but you're even afraid. You feel paralyzed with fear even to get out of your seat and come down here. And right now, just go all in, just go all in. Just say, no more am I gonna be afraid of what people think. I give up this idol of the fear of man this day. I'm gonna be set free this day in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Pray this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And it goes on to say, for if you do not forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. The spirit of holiness is dealing with offense right now so that he can fill you with his power. Right now, many of you, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to show you anyone that you need to forgive. And because Jesus is Lord of your life, not because you feel like it, but because he's the Lord of your life, you're gonna be obedient to him and you're gonna release forgiveness. And as you release forgiveness, you'll no longer be a victim, you will be an overcomer. You will be set free. Because bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies from it. And Jesus wants to set you free today by the power of his spirit. What he did on the cross was enough. Get out of the judgment seat, let him judge them. Hand them over to the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, if God is showing you somebody to forgive, just whisper their name and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Freedom, 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 freedom. Wherever the Spirit of God is, there's freedom, 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 freedom. Father, I just thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit on this girl right now. Power, 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 power. I bless what you're doing right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead and just lift your hands for a minute. Say, Jesus. Say, Jesus. Say, Jesus. You're looking at my heart. Come on, say, you're looking at my heart. I need you. Help me. Fill me with the power to be a disciple, to follow you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, resurrected from the dead. And right now, I give my whole life to you. I surrender. Look at my heart. Consume it with your fire. Consume it with your Holy Spirit. You promised you'd never leave me alone. You'd send me a helper. Help me, help me. Come on, cry out, help me. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Baptize, fill with your fire, fill. Fill with your spirit like a rushing mighty wind. Pour out your spirit even right now.